Welcome to PSL Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 286. Another update episode. Yeah. Feels like it's taking a little while to get to 300. Is it just me? Yeah, I mean, it's a big milestone. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's... It, it probably feels like that, but I don't even ever think we even thought we'd get to 300. That is true. That I, is not that true. we didn't think like we, we could, it's just that that was, you know, never well, that on people our, would our still listen is a, is a question. Yeah. So, but no, I mean, I'm, it, this has been, the 200s have been fun. I, I honestly feel like, uh, in the 200s here, we've, uh, we've grown a lot. We've had a lot of interesting things happen in our life and in reselling and a lot of world events. And, uh, so it's been an interesting time. We're going to look back at the, the 200s as, a, a interesting season in the reselling that is world. crazy the documenting part right yeah. i mean we remember those episodes about you know basically reselling might be done and then it was like no reselling is going to be the best ever and then now we're looking at like all right how do we adapt reselling to our current time right because we're in this weird i mean think about it just the fact that okay there's a war happening but it's affecting us but it's not but it will but maybe Right. And then at the same time, there's lots of uncertainty and just craziness in the world for sure. Yeah. But, but then there's the irrational, right? There's like the markets and even the fact that now, you know, things should be, and even during, you know, the last two years, like, you know, the fact that you could sell, you know, a, a random jacket that really the value is based on what the buyer believed it to be for, you know, 800 to a thousand dollars is kind of just, just mind blowing to yeah. me. Well, and that's, what's interesting about reselling is, you know, We've we've lived in a, a time and still live in a time of just extreme wealth. And there's just so much comfort and ease and, and entertainment in our culture. Right. It's just it's a time where things are easy for the most part, like not say individuals don't have hard lives, but but overall, we're very wealthy in the West. We've got lots of there's so much expendable income that people can have all these hobbies and these things. And so reselling is able to flourish in that. But then the, the reality is if if things were to get worse if things were to fall apart you know let's just say the the the, the west collapse like worst case scenario yeah, 100 years from a now. dark episode here. well i'm just saying like if, yeah. if things got really bad if the if, if the us dollar was no longer the the the, the currency reserve the, yeah the currency reserve, reserve currency. Th- things would things would change we wouldn't have that kind of 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 exuberance in america or in the west in general however reselling and bartering would still 100% be one of the number one ways of making money. So would Pure Hustle still be around? And would we be sharing like cans of food bolos? <laughs> I mean, well, <laughs> I just I just wonder, like, I mean, maybe not, but I almost think about it like the things that we're learning now and the things that, that we talk about now, are, it's going to relate, you know, whether or oh, not, I agree with that. whether or not you're selling. I mean, the barter system, I mean, we talked about it being uh, maybe the second oldest profession in the world. Yes, right? correct. Um, it is this exchanging of goods, right? I'm I'm buying something. I'm trying to sell it to make more. And so, you know, it's just interesting to see that even during black swan events, even during downturn economies and upturn economies, reselling is still successful. Just the way you do it changes the way you have to, yeah, to maneuver. Yeah. You have to yeah. adapt. And, and, and so, yeah, will you be able to do it the same way? Maybe not. Maybe you're not, you know, doing Q4, Amazon, sending in toys, but you yeah, still are going to be <laughs> the idea of going to garage sales or going and meeting people and finding things for something and then bartering it or trading it for either currency or some other type of asset that you need is still those skills, those negotiating skills, those I- ability to identify what's valuable, what what the what the value is of something versus how much you can get it for, how much you can sell it for, that that transaction cost, the time, effort, all of those things. And so, yeah, reselling is... Uh, it's just cool. 280, 286, 286 yeah. episodes later, you know, we're still talking about it and uh, the world looks very different already. Yeah. And real quick, it's interesting that you had mentioned, you know, that reselling, despite what's going on, still continues 
to thrive. And it, and it took me back. I read an article. I shared this on Instagram about how in 09, like resellers thrived, mm. right? Because the number one thing that individuals during a downturn economy are looking for is a bargain. And we've had other people uh, that were resellers. For example, I remember Amazing Taste Store. I think Cindy and her husband started their reselling during the recession, mm. right? And they thrived. And so, you know, it gives me great hope in understanding that, you know, regardless of what happens, as long as we're able to adapt and find the goods that people are looking for, we're still going to be able to keep reselling. And so I've heard people say reselling is a reselling proof. I mean, a reselling proof, recession proof. And, you know, I don't know. We'll see. I hope we don't get into recession. It's going to depend on what niches you're in, but yeah. the skills themselves are transferable. And that's that's what's interesting is, you know, you can be like, I think I'm a teacher. Right. And that's a cool skill to have. There's skills that I've learned in that, right? I can, I can manage people. Like I can manage a classroom. I can manage time. I can, I can communicate. Yeah. Like all of those things are, are valuable skills, but depending on circumstances that might not be as valuable as being able to repair a car, right? Like it, your skills are going to, going to be dependent on what you can do. But the nice thing is reselling gives you a set of skills that's going to be transferable, whether you're selling toys or whether you're selling, you know, anything. So, uh, your, your niche might change. You might have to adapt, but I think it's going to, uh, Reselling is always a thing. So I feel like we're a prepper podcast right now. Yeah. So make sure you've got your, uh, your cans of beans and, uh, rice put in mylar bags sealed tight instead of, uh, no, I'm just kidding. All right. Now, if you're still with us, uh, for this episode, uh, this episode, uh, in every episode is about reselling. And so we always have to update episode. Uh, we like to update what's going on, but before we do that, just want to uh, thank our sponsor pixel cut, uh, a great partner with us. Uh, if you take a look at, at the video, just, it's a quick way to get that white background on images that you're taking pictures of for eBay or Poshmark or Depop or whatever platform you're in. And there's multiple uses for pixel cut. You can use pixel cut to provide headshots, you know, when you're trying to do an electronic resume or just a regular resume, or you can use it for like your thumbnails on social media. And there's so many uses that you have for, I mean, I even think about, you know, um, my, my son is running for a uh, student government. I think they call it ASB these days or whatever. Nice, yeah. Right. But you know, you can even use it for a situation like that where you've got to create campaign posters. I mean, there's so many uses for pixel cut. So if you haven't checked out pixel cut yet, go to the link below. Uh, pixel cut is available on Android and iOS. So check it out. Yeah. All right. So what's going on with you? Um, man, I mean, I'd say, you know, kind of going off that idea of, Obviously, now is an interesting time because, uh, you know, inflation is high. I, I'm surprised to see so many people out and about buying things. Gas prices are through the roof. It's over $6 in California. But real quick, it's funny. I keep saying real quick. It's funny you say that because going to garage sales, I thought about the price of gas. Mm -hmm. I've never done yep. that before. Now, now it's something we got to consider more. You got to be more strategic for sure. Uh, but prices are up so high. But I noticed that, you know, it's tax time and a lot of people... Um, a lot of the average Americans, if you're not, you know, very wealthy or you're not self-employed and you're dealing with taxes, if you're just, you know, you're going to a nine to five and you're not really paying attention to how much is being taken out and you're getting all these tax credits, many Americans, I think they said it was over 56% of Americans didn't pay any taxes, right? They actually got returns on, on their, their tax returns. So that's, that's a good portion of the population who are all of a sudden getting to, four, six, $8,000 from the IRS. And huh. it's, it's like, sweet. Look at this big check that just came in, uh, yeah. into my bank direct deposit. Cause I used TurboTax, and it was, you know, 21 days later and I've got all this money in my bank. And so I think people are, are spending that. It's always tax time. Whenever every year when it's tax time, 
Uh, and I know people are getting those returns or, or even like the stimulus and you go places and you see people walking out with big old TVs in their car at Target or, or Costco <laughs> or whatever. It's like it's like tax return or stimulus, you know, and that's how people are spending. So I've kind of noticed that I, I haven't seen a dip in my sales, really. Uh, in fact, I've noticed a lot of like random items selling like things. It's like really OK. A pair of shoes. Cool. Normal board game. OK. Uh, a pump for a, a like a, like an old school pump for like a spa. Okay, sweet. That's, that's interesting. That was used. I'm surprised that sold as quick as it did. And just like a ton of random things selling. Yeah. And so it, it's kind of a, it, if you haven't been listing items, think now's the time to list because if things get worse, um, if, if tax returns start to dwindle and people spent that money and all of a sudden the inflation continues to rise and people aren't getting the raises at work to compensate for inflation, people are going to be spending less. And so if people are spending, they're in a big spending rush now, this is where you want to be getting inventory light and capital heavy. Because if in the next five months, people aren't spending like they are right now, you want to get rid of as much of your inventory as possible, have that cash now so that you can then make the decisions as we move into maybe a harder time. People don't have stimulus checks anymore. They don't have those tax returns. Maybe work didn't give them the raise they were hoping for. They're not spending like they were okay, what are they spending money on? And then that gives you what the information you need to then uh, move into the right niches that you're still being profitable and you're selling mm -hmm. on eBay or Amazon. Uh, so I would say now's the time, get everything listed, try and get as much sold as you can because people are buying now. Uh, and I think there's still a spike. It's, it's crazy that you know the Fed is, even though they're raising interest rates, uh, which is definitely slowing down the economy uh, because of tax returns, I think it's almost like we're still in this like miniature stimulus push. Yeah, but they're, they're minimally raising like they're not they're like they they slow down they slow the down but i mean it's still the, the war and all that was going on. right but it's still like incredible amount like compared i think it's like the highest this the fastest increase i mean we're definitely not like we were in like the 80s or the 90s as far as interest rates on houses yeah. uh but you know to go from two percent like this time last year two and a half percent to like almost yeah. five percent now like it's we haven't seen this kind of this level of increase even though we're not up to where we were the speed of the increase is happening really fast and so even though it's it's not as fast as people predicted maybe the fed would do they're, they're still trying to slow down the economy they have to right there's no other choice otherwise the inflation continues you got those two options but even with that now's the time i would say that people are still spending money so even with all the fear even with potential inflation continuing or with a, a, a slowed down economy with interest rates rising, it's time to sell things because of, I, I think, tax returns. So um, I definitely haven't haven't noticed a huge dip in my store, which is nice, um, but or in my sales. But I have noticed that I have a lot of items I haven't listed. And there's one section of items that I really want to get listed, uh, given all of these things, right? Um, we know that there's some inventory shortages at stores. We know mm -hmm. uh, cost building costs have gone up significantly. Uh, lots of costs in basically every sector have gone up. Uh, but one of the big ones is building costs. And uh, I know I have a, a friend who was really high up in Home Depot and he talks about which which what inventory items are having a really hard time getting. Um, and just knowing other friends who are contractors of like, okay, it's it's getting harder for them to get certain things. It's getting harder for people to to build properties and houses. And so I got a haul. I've talked about it in the past. Uh, but I got a haul of hundreds of lights. They're like um, more like a, what's the commercial lights. They're not necessarily like residential lights you put in a bulb. Uh, but if you got a commercial building, that's like those types of lights. I've got hundreds of them that I picked up for basically pennies uh, at a thrift store. And they've been sitting because it's like, oh, man, this, this is going to be a nightmare to organize them because there's different styles and sizes. And okay, what kind of boxes am I going to need? But I'm like, now's the time. Like housing prices are up so high. The cost of building, the cost of repairs. And so if you're a if you're a property manager of some corporate building 
you're going to do everything you can. You got to replace 30 bulbs in a, on a floor. You're going to try and get them as cheap as you can. Mm-hmm. Or if you own a hotel, right? A lot of the items we've sold in the past, because my wife used to work for a company that, that basically did supplied to things like um, hotels and stuff like that. And so we would know what items to pick up, what they were picking up. And yeah, a ton of the items that we buy go to, you know, hotels, travel lodges and motel sixes and all those. Cause when they have to update stuff, they have to update like everything. And so if you have the right inventory they're looking for those owners, even though they're chains and you think like, Oh, they they're buying all their stuff from home Depot or someplace like that. A lot of them, it's just, you know, an individual who owns this franchise or uh, a, a one, one hotel in the franchise. And so they're trying to save every penny they can. Mm-hmm. So if you can get your hands on, um, you know, sinks, plumbing fixtures, lighting fixtures, those things can do really well right now because prices are so high. They're trying to save money where they can. Uh, so I'm going to try and get those lights listed. I think it's going to be a nightmare, but I definitely think it's going to be worth it. So, Okay. It's interesting you bring that up because I'm kind of like on the other side of things a little bit. I find it right now, like I think it's the time to sell. Like So I'm listing like crazy. So I reached uh, 3,000 listings and um, actually at about 3,100. Uh, and so it's... I've seen the influx. It's funny because I had been talking to you about like sales, like really didn't get affected. And then out of nowhere, like I'm having these crazy days uh, of sales. And so I don't know if like the algorithm likes to see you consistently listing a lot. So I'm trying to list about like 25 items a day. Uh, and, you know, it, it's it's work. It's not, you know, you, you got to kind of it's a it's a habit you got to develop. You know, we read that book, Atomic Habits, how you got to make it part of your day. And so part of my day. Uh, in the evening, you know, I'll throw on Netflix or I'll throw on whatever Amazon prime video, or whatever. And uh, my son will catch a movie or, you know, I'll watch, I don't know, Seinfeld or whatever. And, uh, I'll just listen, I'll listen, I'll listen, I'll list. And I've seen the sales come through. Like it, it's been, it's been crazy in, in the fact that I just was thinking, all right, this is going to go nowhere. But as always, if you keep listing, it does, there's kind of like this delayed, you know, reaction. And usually takes, you know, about a week or two for things to kick in once you've listed a lot. So sales have been up. It's been great because that's also allowed me to continue raising capital by more because there's been so much. There's so much to buy right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, you know, even though garage sales, like I showed this last Saturday, you know, I didn't do so well, but I also woke up late and I went to community garage sale like an hour after starting. But for example, eBay arbitrage, I've been buying on eBay so much in comparison uh, not comparison, similar to uh, when we all ended up having to shut down. I remember during that time, I bought a ton of stuff to resell and it's happening again. And I'm finding that people are more willing to make deals. And I think it's because they want to be cash heavy, right? They, they're thinking, hey, if I can sell all this right now, this is a tank of gas or this is going to take care of a bill. Because you, you think about it with the rising gas prices, I know for myself, uh, I'm probably paying three to four hundred dollars more a month in gas than normal. Which is crazy to me. And and that's not even including my electricity bill, which has gone up. That's not including, you know, all this other stuff that's gone up, food and so on. And so I do think that there's going to be more opportunities to buy coming up. I would say right now, if you can start buying right now and you have the capital, I would. Because, you know, we, I, like Mike said, we don't know when people are going to stop buying. I do agree. I think uh, this coming, you know, we are in the middle of tax season kind of. I think the returns coming in, the refunds are going to help. 
Uh, there's even talk right now about another stimulus coming through, which would be wild, but not a huge one. But I think it's one for like gasoline. Uh, for Californians. No, Californians and federal too. Oh, really? Yeah, like 300. Like if the gas they're proposing, like if gas ever goes up above $4, like everybody gets a $300 check or Let something. Let me just say that that's like, I don't understand. I mean, I understand. I think it's a, an issue with, with trying to get votes. But my thought with the gas prices, especially in California, California may be different than other states, but uh, California, it's like a dollar pretty much we spend in taxes per gallon. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the idea of, okay, well, we'll spend it. We'll give every single driver or for every registered car, you have $400 stimulus to help cover. Well, that's good. That might cover the difference in gas. But what people aren't realizing is it'd be so much better to just cut the taxes, say like, okay, during this time, we're not going to charge taxes on, on, on gas just for this, you know, intermittent period of time, the short period of time that we're being told this is going to be, uh, because what that's going to do is, yeah, you're not getting the money directly in your pocket, which is going to make a lot of people think like, oh, look at how great it is. Another $400. But that doesn't help the truck drivers who are driving food to the stores. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not going to help the truck drivers who are driving the supplies to Target and Walmart. So when you see your food prices go up and you see every other price go up, that's be- part of that is because of gases gas prices yeah i agree so four hundred dollars is not going to help the truck driver yeah you know but 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 what i mean by all that is that i do think more people are selling that are going to try to fill in those gaps right i i I see it all the time i mean the deals i'm able to get right now i could not make six months ago Hmm. right and you know i've been able to pick up hundreds of items at a time uh and you know i had uh one scenario i was talking to mike before the podcast this is one of those things that you know you know, we, we, we share as much as we can, but, you know, we don't want to share certain niches to destroy our own market. But I had reached out to somebody who had certain items and I said, what if I bought out all of your items? Mm. Would you be OK with that? And sure enough, they were fine with it. And I got it at a discount. I mean, I was buying other stuff like on auctions. I bought this at 25 percent below the average price I was paying at auctions. And it's just because, you know, the individual was just like. Listen, I offload it all. I just want to offload it all. And, you know, it was, it was quick cash for them. Right. It was a lot of inventory for me. And so it ends up helping out. Right. So I do think right now is the time to buy. Uh, another thing I just want to share real quick uh, before we move on to our uh, random story is. I think I'm done um, temporarily, kind of maybe <laughs> with listening to electronics. Feel that I, I you know, that I had probably five to eight Sony camcorders all very profitable. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but having to charge the battery, having to test one of them, the mic didn't work. Another one, I had to like look up the manual and see how to operate it because it was vintage. So it didn't have the same operations as another one. I had to find spare tapes to make sure it recorded, you know, all this stuff. And I, you know, I, I, I time myself and it took me like two hours Right. And that's why I say, unless there's like a significant amount of profit you can make on the item to me, if I can pick it up cheap enough, I'm just listing it for parts, turns on parts only. Yeah. And I still like, even if I'm making 50% of what I could be making, if I do that every time and I'm still coming in with a high ROI, it's worth it to me not to have to worry about testing it, not to have to worry about Correct. If you're going to make like $400 for spending an hour to test and list something, it's 400 bucks an hour. That's lawyer money. And especially too, if you think about the fact that, you know, you test that that thing. So maybe you could sell that that camcorder for $140, right? Let's mm-hmm. just say 140 bucks, 150 bucks. And if it's selling for parts, you can only sell it for 50 bucks. That's a significant price drop. But if you test it, you spend the time, you go through all the time to test it, and you're like, oh, this one function doesn't work. Well, now you're still gonna only be listing it for the 
parts only or this part doesn't work. So you're going to be giving a discount. Mm -hmm. So you spend all the time testing it, hoping it's almost like you're rolling the dice. Like, am I going to be able to sell this as works perfectly? Yeah. And is it, you are, you know, you are. And then you spend that 30 minutes and then one thing doesn't work. And you're like, what? I I just lost all that time. And not to say that if that's your niche, if you're really good at that stuff, or if you enjoy it, it, if you enjoy it. Yeah. If if you like tinkering with things and you like messing around, it's like the same thing with like people that I know that do cars, Uh, you know, they can, they can buy a used car. They can spend several hours under the hood and they know how to fix it and they get it fixed and they're making two, $3,000 on the flip for a day's worth of work. I don't know how to do that stuff, you know? And, and it's not fun for me. Like I can work on cars. I've, I've taught myself a lot of things on how to work on cars. Cause I've just had to, cause I don't, you know, always want to go mm-hmm. drop it off somewhere and I don't enjoy it. Like, it's not like something I love doing. And so, but I know people, it's like, they love it. Like they, they would rather do nothing else, but spend time in their car, in their garage, tinkering on cars. Yeah. And if it's what you enjoy, it's what you enjoy. I just, I, I, I looked this over and, and I have plenty of other electronics. I mean, I have, Bose stuff. I have, you know, I know people are going to contact me like, Hey, can I buy a mafia? So I already have that. I already have those connections set up. Uh, I might be offloading in that direction. Uh, and that might be something new I'll be doing too. Now is that whenever I have a haul, if I see that I can get an electronics haul instead of going home and just testing it all, I'll buy it. And then I'll just resell it, uh, to the individuals that I know that love electronics and just, you know, sell it for maybe, you know, I don't know, twice of what I paid for it. Right. Cause there's still, if I'm buying it for a major deal, they're still going to get a deal for me. And it's, here's what you have to think when you make a big bulk buy, not only, you know, are you buying a lot of profitable items, but all the time that you're saving, right. Not having to go to store to store to find an item, you know, not having to haggle, not having to set up the pickup. Like once you have it, you have it. Right. And that's it. And that's why I'm willing to sometimes pay up uh, for a major haul, because I think about all the hours I'd be spending sourcing that item, the gas now I'd be spending trying to find that item. So, yeah, I'm kind of just, man, it was not I was just like, what am I doing? Mm. Like, it was OK. If you do, if you're a, if you sell on the side, I think it's still very you know v- valuable if you want. I think it's still a v- very valuable thing as a full time reseller. I don't think it's worth it for me. Because I need to have that constant cash flow. And if I'm going to be halted for two hours just to make, you know, I don't know, let's say each of those campers sold for $800, but I could actually list, you know, 20 items that could, you know, I can make anywhere from, you know, 2000 plus or maybe 30 items. I'm better off just listing those items and focusing on those. So there we go. All right. You want to talk about Patreon for a moment? Yeah. So again, we want to thank all of our, uh, our Patreon followers. Um, I think we can, we're, this may be the last episode we have to talk about buy me a coffee that we're, we're no longer yeah, on buy I me a coffee. So, uh, yeah, we, we've moved platforms and we've had, uh, many of our, our buy me a coffee, um, supporters have jumped over to Patreon. Uh, not all, which has been kind of a big hit for us, but we're very grateful for everyone who already has jumped over to Patreon. Uh, and one of the things, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you, you follow us and you support us on Patreon, which again is what, what keeps this podcast going. Like we couldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for our supporters. Occasionally we get an ad here and there, but you know, it's, it's pennies. So, uh, it's, it's, it's nice that we have people who enjoy our content enough to say, Hey, we want to support you. And, uh, I mentioned in the last episode, uh, that we've got the discord, uh, like pretty much finalized. And this is Wednesday when this is releasing. So within the next day or two, uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you're going to start getting, uh, your links to our discord. Uh, and for those of you who are about ready to throw something at your TV screen or computer screen and say, 
but but Pirasol Podcast, you promised that your content would always be free. Our content is free. Like this is not, we're not putting anything behind a paywall other than the fact that we want to have a community of people and 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 actually you know, have something for those people who are supporting us. And so the discord is just a way for us to have a community. It's not a cook group. We're not going to, we're not promising, Hey, join our Patreon, pay us $5 a month. And we're going to tell you the three things to buy that are going to make you a millionaire. That's not what we're doing here. Um, but you might find profitable items to buy, but that's, that's, that's the idea is like, we're going to have a community of people who are coming together, who are sharing their experiences, sharing tips, tricks, uh, stories, lows, help like i need help on something and they're going to have a community of people who are going to be right there for them uh, or lana and i will be on there but we're not looking to like run this as hey you know we're running this thing where we're just pay us for our tips like that's not the idea here the idea is there's a community of, of those of you who are already supporting pierce podcast uh and we've done that with our when we did the buy me a coffee zoom groups and it was just a great way and the the, the thing is i feel like we had you know, several of those and they would only go like half hour, 45 minutes. And every time we walked away from those, we're like, man, that was so awesome. I yeah, learned yeah. like every single one of them. I learned things from people who are our supporters. Like we're doing this podcast, but Orlando and I are not the reselling experts. Like we don't know everything 100%. about reselling. And so when we're get off the call, we're like, man, like we hopefully gave some tips or tricks or ideas, but like we learned a ton of things from, so I just can imagine what if there's a 24 seven one on this discord, you know, that's just going to yeah. be a place where people are going to be able to get together and even just say like, Hey, I'm having a hard time. How do you get through the loneliness of reselling sometimes? And you got people there to talk to you. So uh, thank you again to all of you who support us on Patreon. And if you're like, I don't want to do a discord, you don't have to do, do, do a discord to uh, support us. If you just want to say thanks, Mike and Orlando, for uh, for what you do, we appreciate it. Yeah, that's pretty it. much what our Patreon is, is a thank you. It's not, you know, extended services or, you know, you get, you know, special uh, mentoring or any of that. It's just a thank you. And I know uh, that's very different than pretty much every model out there, but we've always wanted, you know, and then we're still in the, I think, dream phase of like, we want to be able to run this podcast fully based on sponsors. Like if we get to a place where we're large enough and, and we do have several thousand listeners uh, every week per episode uh, and we do get sponsors like we get Pixel Cut and we have School Shaver, American Bubble Boy and others. But we'd love to get to a place where, you know, that just funds yeah. everything. We don't we don't have to shill anymore. We don't have to yeah. be up here saying, yeah. gimme, gimme, gimme. Well, then we no have to show whatever sponsor. But yes, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I agree. We don't have to shill ourselves. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Hey, so any random story thing you're in? Yeah, so a couple of random stories. So one, I sold a board game that I bought at a thrift store for about, I think maybe a dollar, dollar ninety nine. It was somewhere in that range. It was, it was relatively inexpensive, but it's cool. I'd never seen it before. The game's called Mandalay, and it's from the nineteen sixties. So uh, it's it's I'm assuming some kind of abstract game where you're you're stacking discs, and it's just three three poles that you stack. So there's not a lot of parts, and, and that's one of the things. Like I do a lot of board games, but I don't like to buy board games that are complicated with a lot of parts that i have to research is it all here i mean that could take a long time yeah uh but this one was really simple there was like eight parts to it and it was all there it was in pretty good shape nice. so i listed it and it's out for a little while promoted it and then next thing you know i had somebody message me and the message i got it was a good offer it was like i don't know five percent or ten percent less than i was asking for so of course i took it but their message was like i have not seen this game since i was a kid in the 60s um, this brings back so many memories to me. I would love to be able to get this item. And it was just like one of those times where we talk about where you can connect an item to a buyer. You know, when you're like, you're providing something, uh, uh, whether it's a memory, whether it's like my dad used to have one of these, or I had one of these and it broke and there's just nothing like having this, this one, this model. And it was just really neat to see that I was able to 
to do that, provide that to this person. And I was thinking like, man, am I like the only listing on it? And there's actually like two or three other listings right now. In fact, one of them was, I don't know if the listing was up when this person bought it, uh, but it was cheaper than mine, but I had better pictures, much better pictures. So I don't know if it was because mine was promoted and it just popped up on their screen and they weren't necessarily looking for this game, but it just like came up on their thing. But um, it was cool that they bought mine and at a, at a pretty good price, I especially seeing, I think I made like, sold it for like 40, just about 40. Okay. Um, and I paid a dollar 99 for it at most. Nice. And it was small. It's a small game too. It basically was able to fit in a padded envelope. And so those are the, those are the kind of uh, dream deals right there. And it's just cool to see that when you're connecting those buyers to, to the items they're really looking for, and, and you can feel like you're part of that, um, that process. And then that kind of reminded me of another board game. And it kind of goes along with that idea we were talking about with electronics. So a while back, I, I think I briefly mentioned it on an episode. I picked up a, um, I picked up a Gloomhaven is two Gloomhaven board games used. And then one, um, uh, unopened expansion plus some stuff. And I think I paid a little over $50 for it. It was a, an offer up deal. And I sold the expansion plus the other stuff that came with it um, for the break even price. So now I've got two Gloomhaven games, but they're open and the parts have been like intermixed. Oh. And Gloomhaven is like the biggest board game there is. Like it is an intense, it is a crazy game. But um, it goes in waves on Amazon. If you're lucky, there's like once a year that it'll drop down to like $89. But most of the year, and I'll show Orlando right here, $140 for this huh. game. 5,000 reviews, five stars. Like this is a popular game. It's not just some random hole in the wall game nobody knows about. Like if you're a board gamer, you've heard of, of Gloomhaven. And I've got two of them sitting there, but I'm, I was doing the math. I'm like, how much time is it gonna take me to spend to like divvy up these parts and put them into the right boxes? And it's probably gonna be a few hours. Wow. And so I'm like, okay. Here are my options. Option one, just lot both of these together like locally as they are. Because um, I don't think I'd want to do them uh, on eBay lotted together because they're big boxes. They're really big and it would be an expensive shipment. Um, but I could probably do local and say between the two, it, you've got two games, but you're going to have to sort it out and let somebody else handle it and then make 80 bucks or so. Right. Or I could spend the two or three hours and probably be able to sell them for about 80 bucks each. So that means I'm making 160 bucks. So then I'm thinking, okay, what is, what is that, that math entail? If it takes me, if it takes me three hours, let's say on the high end, I've already broken even on this deal. If it takes me three hours to sort these out, but I can sell them for 80 bucks a piece, $160, three hours of work. That's more than $50 an hour. That's not bad work. Plus I, I think I would enjoy it. Like I love board games so much. I'd enjoy it more than tinkering with electronics. I think the other option is I spend that time, that three hours, I sell one of them and uh, make 80 bucks and I have a free Gloomhaven. I actually got paid to have it. Oh, you, you know go. what I mean? There so go, yeah. I've got a couple options here. I'm trying to figure out what to do, but uh, you know, board game story led into another board game story. But every time I walk into my shed now, I see this, uh, this tote. It takes up a whole tote, the two games. And I'm like, do I sort it? I started one time. I spent like 10 minutes. I'm like, oh, this is too much work. And I put it back. But I think, I think I've got, I'm on spring break now. I think I might take a, a few hours one afternoon and just sort the game out. And uh, maybe I'll bring it over and we'll have to play. No, I get it. I have a board game right now that I picked up for $3 and it sells for 100 But I just haven't taken the time to sort it out, you know? And and I'll give I, you four bucks for it. Well, I'll think about I'll it. I'll give you six. I'll, I'll think Look at you're doubling it. your money. Yeah, I don't know. That's well, a, you know, here's the hard part. I haven't mentioned this in our update episode. Uh, I do not have my helper anymore. Um, and it, it's not... 
I didn't let anybody go and they didn't quit. It just, we're taking a temporary pause. Uh, I, my helper is in high school and it's that busy time of the year right now. Uh, and so she's really busy with school and, and AP tests coming up and everything. And so, uh, you know, we just decided that right now probably a good time to pause. And so it's just me now. Right. And so I've been able to get to the 3,100 or whatever listings on my own. Uh, and so I, I thought my helper would be able to jump in and she still has a few 50 items with her. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it's been on my own, so it is doable. It is doable. Uh, so my friend, this was a, I thought this was a funny story just because I got to tell you, I've mentioned this before that I, you know, we, I have a, you know, we don't mention our stores publicly, but sometimes people find our stores and I get, you know, followers in my store and, you know, whenever things get listed, uh, I automatically get messages from different people, right? Sometimes I get messages from haters like your stuff is fake. I'm like, okay. Like, and, and here's the thing. I respond to everybody now. And the reason I respond to everybody now, I think with this new messaging system that is available, I think people are more willing to now. I mean, not willing. I think the algorithm will be more willing to pick up when you respond. Mm. So I, you know, cause like, like offer up, it tells you usually responds in six correct. Minutes. And I think that's going to happen. And so every message I've just responded right away. So I get this message and I had, uh, these, these pair of boots listed. And, you know, I love these message always. They said, and these are, I know these are vintage because the place that I bought them from, from everything they had was vintage, right? It wouldn't make sense that they would randomly have a fake pair of something, right? Or maybe, maybe, but that rarely happens. So I listed them and, and they're good money and they're, you know, they're kind of messed up, but I listed them higher because they're not, they're not the kind of boots that you would wear like to wear. They're the kind of boots that you would have as part of your display. Right. Or like if you have a military display or you have, you know, whatever kind of display. And so I got this message that, Hey, these are reproduction. Uh, these were made in, you know, the nineties and, and you know, the, the, the soles are, are, aren't great. And these shoes fall apart. They're cheaper than the originals. And, you know, they're all going to fall apart and blah, blah. Right. And I was like, all right. You know, like I just I just said, thanks for the info, thinking that would end the conversation. But this is where it got interesting. And he said, no problem. Right. Because I kind of said thanks for the info in, in a way where it was just like, you know, thanks. But I'm not, you know, I don't know if I'm really going to change my mind about what I, you know, I listed them. And then I get this. No problem. Um, I've been looking for a good pair and then said, um, you know, mine got messed up, but then they said probably would, uh, wouldn't throw yours out, but maybe you want to offer them at a low price and be open to offers. I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. The first part was cool. Informative. The second part is, it has me thinking, are you, uh, do you want to buy them for cheaper? I'm just yeah. wondering just, and maybe that's not the case, but that's the way it came across. Do you think I'm off on that one? No, I mean, let us know in the comments, like were they looking for a deal or or are they just being real with me? I, I think I think that's a high probability, but I think you could give them the benefit of the doubt. And like you it could be somebody like if you were to show me something and I was an expert in it, right? And I were to say, like, oh, you know, that actually is a reproduction of that model. Like it's the same company, but after they started remaking them 20 years later, they changed the quality. It's not as sought after that one. So you're not gonna be able to sell it for a hundred. You're probably gonna be you could probably still get 50 for it. So you might want to lower your price. Yeah. I they might just be telling you, like, it's not like a bad product, it's just not the one people are after, you know. Yeah, so yeah. like it could be. But I've had I've had a few messages like this, like there's no way you'll get that much. You should probably drop the price. And I'm like, what? Like, OK, like if, if I have best offer available, 
right? If you want to offer me a lesser price, then just offer the lesser price, right? I it, that That's the thing I, I don't understand is that when people say you'll never get that price for it, okay, so maybe I don't. So maybe somebody will offer me less. And guess what? Maybe I'll just take that price, right? I'm not, again, Mike, Mike is right. I mean, I, and I've said this since day one. Like we may have a podcast about reselling. We may have people that follow us on Instagram. All of you have been incredible to us, but we're not gurus. We're not experts, right? I list stuff, crazy prices sometimes just because I want to see, I want to see where it's going to land. Right. And, and I have enough sales that I'm not worried. Like, oh man, I'm pricing myself too high. You know, I'm going to go broke. Like I'm okay. If some things I shoot for the moon and sometimes I do get the moon and I get more than the moon. I get like, you know, all the way into Jupiter. And so you just, you just never know. Um, and the other thing I wanted to talk about is, man, the post office, what is, what is going on? Like, I'm not the only one, but I've had so many packages. Like I had one package I sent and it was held at the post office and they got returned to me and said, miss it. I'm like, what? Like, you know, mm. like the address is fine. Then I had another, I had bought something and it said it was delivered. And then it said, because I never got it. Then it said being held at the post office. I went to the post office. It wasn't there. Then I called the post office and they're like, well, maybe it's out, but we don't know for sure. Then I opened the case. And then the moment my package delivers, the post office inspector calls me and says, Hey, just following up on your package. I'm like, Oh, actually it just got delivered. Then I, I mean, I've had, I have stories upon stories. I have, um, remember that, uh, Pulsar that no, was it the ultimate enemy of Pulsar? What that toy that yeah, I sold, yeah, yeah. right? The, the one that sparks. One. I sent it a week and a half ago priority. And all it says is that our local post office has the item in possession. Hmm. That's all it says. And so, you know, the buyers contacted me like, hey, just wondering what's going on. Really nice about it. Responded right away. Hey, thanks for always respond right away. They said, hey, thanks so much for getting back to me. Uh, you know, just want to give you a heads up that the tracking is not showing anything. So I, I don't. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, no, it's like uh, we got a a letter. It's a I mentioned that my my wife's uh, grandma passed away, and so we got from a family member of hers that lives you know back east a like a sympathy card, and it came like really late, but like you could tell by when it was sent and the dates that were on it that it was sent like right away, hmm. and it had all of these stickers on the outside of the the letter that was like. Uh, not a real address or something, the address, um, insufficient, something sending in for review. And then we could tell like based off of the thing that it went to like three different places for like review before it finally came to our, and the address that she wrote was perfect. It was ours. We get mail there all the time. It's our mailing address. And so for whatever reason, when they got it, somebody in the post office at some point, and it wasn't like it got to our city and then they couldn't find the address. It was like along the way they decided this wasn't an address and it needed to go for review. And it's like, well, how is that even possible? So, so yeah, there's been some weird post office things happening. So there's two reasons I bring this up. One is the post office. I know not, many of you might disagree, but it is super reliable, right? Because out of all the packages I send, I would say probably 90 something percent of them. No problem. Right. It just those handful of items. Uh, the second part is it's not just you. I think a lot of people are dealing with this right now. I'm not sure what is going on. I know that in my local post office, they still have the signage that as a result of COVID, there's going to be a delay in processing orders. Hmm. And it was posted in uh, 2020. It's still up. It's still up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Yep. 
Okay. All right. Anyways, uh, before we move on to our reselling topics, I want to talk to you about something that does get shipped on time, and it's AmericanBubbleBoy.com. Yeah. I just ordered my latest uh, four-foot roll, 750 square feet for $39.99, and got here in two days. And actually, it was perfect timing. I just used my last like strip of bubble wrap, and sure enough, I went outside, and my new bubble wrap was there. And so I was able to ship out. I had to ship out uh, a few. Oh, I shipped out a toaster. About two dollars right. at a garage sale and sold for a hundred and twelve. Wow! It was a dual lit. It's probably for someone's uh, you know wedding registry. <laughs> I don't know, but I had a dent in the front too. Oh, nice. That, I even said there's a big dent, and but that's a, that's what I'm talking about. Like when you know that you like a certain brand, a certain model, it has worked. It's reliable. It's the one I want. They don't make it like they used to make it. You'll go on eBay and look for that one. True, 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 true. So, and mine was the only one that was listed. So anyways, I share that with AmericanBubbleBoy.com because it made it really easy to bubble wrap because since it was a wider uh, bubble wrap, I just put it on there and just, you know, rolled it a few times and I was good to go. I just had to tape it up, put it in a box and it was ready to be shipped out. So AmericanBubbleBoy.com, get that deal. Go to the link below. Uh, First time buyers, use our promo code PureHustlePodcast. Yeah. All right. If you haven't followed us on social media, we are Pierce the Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We're also Pierce the Cast on Twitter. You could always give us a call 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Or shoot us an email at PierceThePodcast at gmail.com. That is PierceThePodcast at gmail.com. And if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't watched this on YouTube, come on over. Uh, we would love to be, you know, I'm, I'm home by summer. I'm pushing big that we'll have 10K subscribers. If you haven't subscribed yet, we're at 6,600. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure to hit uh, that subscribe button. Uh, and if you're enjoying this episode, smash that like button. And even if you're not, smash that like button yeah. and that bell notification. And, and last of all, thank you for all the iTunes reviews, good and bad, but we really like the good ones. If you haven't gone over there yet, help us out. Uh, write us up a review. Helps us in the algorithm. Uh, then again, that's on Apple iTunes. All right. Are you ready? Stores are starting to limit resellers. eBay is the anti-Amazon. And Goodwill is sorting through the bins. We're going to talk about this and more in our reseller topics. All right. So, man, I feel like there's so much to talk about here. So the first one is, I just, I feel that, no, I know that people just don't understand Econ 101. Yep. Uh, there was a lot of people need to take an economics class. I didn't even take economics until college. Yeah. And even then I I think I just showed up on days of tests and just filled out a form. A lot of our problems would be solved if people understood basic economics. Economics is boring. Like, I mean, I find it somewhat interesting, but like just the process of like learning the numbers and how things work. But, but economics is absolutely emotionless. And I think that's what a lot of people don't like. A lot of people like the emotions behind things, how things make them feel. So let's yeah, <laughs> the, the economy, the economics of this is so simple. So we're talking about thrift stores limiting the number of items that resellers can buy. Now, this isn't a nationwide thing. This is just one store in Calgary in Canada. Okay, so is it going to be an ongoing trend? Probably not. No, because once they start losing money... I mean, there's no like goodwill. They're not going to do it. They couldn't do it. They'd lose money. So the owner decided to limit the amount that resellers could buy to two. I posted on Instagram. And we got all kinds of comments. So two per reseller, right? And so, uh, so basically, the the reason was yes, reselling can be very lucrative, but said that, that she does not want to increase prices because she fears that can make some items unaffordable for those in need. 
Thrifting should be affordable for people who need it, especially. Uh, when I was a kid, we would thrift out of necessity. Now, we had a whole episode about is reselling ethical. Well, and, and the thing I think that's almost unfair about that is there are stores, there are specific places, food banks, churches have uh, special mm-hmm. things set up where people who it's not open to anybody. You can't just go in and get stuff. You can't buy things. It's like, this is for our homeless population in this community, or this is for the people, the, the, the widows and the orphans in our community. And, and we know who they are and they come in, we know their stories and we give them the things they need. So the idea that like, Hey, a thrift store should only be for, for the poorest in a community. That that's an unfair argument because that's well, there's not a lot necessarily of, what thrift stores there's are. There's a lot of false assumptions made, right? Some of them, some of them is the first one is that you're assuming that resellers are going in and buying out everything in their scarcity. Yeah. Right. 99% of what's in the store is not profitable for resellers to buy. Correct. I mean, they mentioned here, she said, I was seeing some of the resellers and even some boutique owners would come in and pick out all the good pieces and pay for them, which is great. You are supporting me, but it's also hurting me in the sense that you're not leaving anything for the everyday shopper to come in and find that specialty item. So either a, Everything she has is a specialty item, which is probably not the case. Or B, she's not understanding that. First of all, you know, I'm pretty sure people that are down on their luck aren't looking for Jordan ones, right? They're not looking, you know, for that special Pendleton blanket, right? That that's not what they're looking. They may be looking for a blanket, but they're not really caring about the brand, right? They may be looking for quality shoes, but they're not really caring about what kind of shoes. And the the the, the truth is, if because what reselling has allowed me to do, you know, I, I've never been a wealthy person. You know, I grew up very, very poor. I grew up going to thrift stores for my clothes. You know, I, so I, I understand that aspect. I understand the empathy people want to have towards, towards people who are hurting and towards people who are like, Hey, I can't afford brand new clothes. So yeah, as a high school student going to school, wearing thrifted clothes, I would rather have name brand. So I get that. I understand the idea of like, I had to go buy at a thrift store so I'd search through and I'd find, but what I've learned through reselling is any hobby that I want to get into, anything that I want to get, my son wants a certain, you know, a trampoline or my son wants a playhouse or a swing set. If I'm willing to spend a little bit of time and a little bit of effort, I can get it for extremely cheap, either by looking at garage sales, looking at offer up, looking at, so if, even if I'm looking for a specific something, people can find it. They, you can find those things at good prices because that's what resellers do all day, every day. So anybody down on your luck or not can still find those items. It's not like it's almost like you're assuming that they're incompetent or incapable of saying, you know what? I want to name brand something. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time, you know, buying, trading, flipping, figuring out the best way, going to a couple thrift stores, going to a few garage sales till I find that one thing. You're assuming that they're incompetent to do that. I think. Well, and the other assumption is that all resellers are wealthy, (laughs) right? Resellers, has opened the door for a lot of people that are struggling financially. I mean, I think about Reezy Resells, right? We've had him on this show. He talks about, you know, he he was a, you know, he didn't finish high school. He had a kid. He was young and reselling, right? It took him from being broke to now he's doing a lot better in his life, right? And there's so many stories like that. Yeah, when you go to a garage sale and you're competing against other resellers especially here in Southern California, right? Like there's a certain group of, of people who you expect to see at certain garage sales and you don't look at any of them and go, here come the ballers coming to pick up all the stuff. 100%. You're and looking at people who are hustling like and working really hard to try and make a, a living, trying to make some money. So they're doing the exact same thing that you're trying to help support is people who 
you know, and, and yeah, there are resellers who are, are, you know, raking in the millions. But that's in every business, but that's like the 1% of 1% yes. of 1%. Like it's such a small percentage of, and that, that's what everybody thinks is they see, oh, there's these people who, who are making hundreds well, of well, thousands of dollars. They shoes. see the guy that has like a hundred PS5s behind them. Right. Right. And they're like thinking every reseller is like a quote unquote, a scalper is yeah. what people call them. Right. And that, that's just not the case. Reselling has helped so many people. So in the end, right, this attempt of virtue signaling is, is, gonna hurt other resellers who are trying to actually improve their lives and so it was just interesting i i followed up on this story because uh the person got a lot of flack on their uh google reviews and people were trying to cancel then they had to ask like their uh i you know i had somebody reach out to me and say yeah i think this person got other people that supported the store to put good reviews on there and so I, you know here's the thing the the bottom line is reselling ultimately helps people and it's interesting because goodwill in this in this uh New story, actually, the story shall not be named, uh, has a quote. And I thought their quote, if you read it without watching the individual say it, it reads differently. You know how that happens sometimes? And so... Can't um, always read the tone of it. Yeah, yeah, the tone of it, right? And so this Goodwill spokesperson said, it's a really fine line because you have people that want to seek affordability when it comes to certain thrifted items. But then you have to have... Then you have people taking advantage of the situation and reselling. So when you read that taking advantage of the situation and reselling... You look at it like, oh, he's saying that resellers are bad, right? But his next line, he says, but you have to remember that they are also contributing back to the community when they do so. So when I watched the video of this individual saying it, he was saying it like there was an opportunity and somebody took advantage. You know, like there's a good situation. You take advantage of the good situation for good. That's what he was referring to. Right. And and I think the story that shall be not, uh, not be named, you know, we give them a hard time about everything, but they understand reselling is a big core of a lot of the profits they make. Yeah. And, right? and again, <laughs> that's why they raise their prices. And and again, I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said like, I, I know a lot of resellers. We've met a lot of resellers through doing this. And there's a handful. It's like reselling has allowed me to pay off a car. Allow me. So we're talking some economic mobility, people moving up, you know, economically. But I, of all of the people that we've talked to, we've talked to a couple of, of pretty high end resellers, but I would say 99%, especially of our followers, the people on our buy me coffee, like none of them come across as like, Hey, look at me in my Lambo 100%. because I'm reselling. They're all everyday people who are like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to uh, help my kid, you know, afford their first car. I'm trying to pay my bills. I'm trying to be able to support my family. And so the, all, what the thrift stores are trying to do, which is to help people by providing resourcing opportunities for resellers, they're doing that. Those are the people you're helping. Like you are indirectly helping the people who are coming in and, and hustling their butt off. They're almost like employees of your store that aren't employees of your store, right? Like you're, you're, you're giving them items at a price. They go and they sell those items. They make enough money to put gas in their car. So these aren't people who are taking advantage of the situation. I mean, they, they are taking, they're taking advantage of a situation, but they're not, they're not being manipulative. They're not, yeah, none of these people, what would you rather them be poor and then forced to go and only be able to buy stuff at your store? Not, I'd rather them not be able to shop at Target for their clothes because, you know, they're reselling a little bit, making some money, and now they don't have to buy thrifted clothes. Like, that's almost like their mindset is like they'd almost rather people not be able to move up economically. Yeah, I know. It just, it just, <laughs> all right, I think we're done with it. It just, the conversation just sounds counterintuitive. It just doesn't make sense, you know? So, all right. Now, I thought this was interesting. Moving on. So years ago, I hate saying years ago. I'm so sad. 
eBay, please do an eBay open with live people, like where we can handshake and we can actually, you know, party with people like good time. Uh, you know, the last one we went to, which was in 2019, can you believe it? 2019, the CEO of that time, Devin, when it was very big on like, it seemed like we were trying to become Amazon, right? It was like, Hey, we're going to do the, you know, buy it again button, right? Which is still there now for eBay. Uh, we were going to have eBay managed delivery, which was supposed to be eBay's FBA, right? Right. Kind of like Amazon, uh, you know, and I, I don't know if you've been noticing this, but it seems to me that eBay's shifting from that direction. Yeah. Right. Especially like when we've talked about eBay vault on our last update episode and we talked about the collectible market and so on. And I, I just, I like it. I, I know, I know things are, you know, right now there's always things we can bring up about what we're not happy about eBay and all, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where it, it's, you know, they, they talked to the CEO and they had mentioned, you know, CEO had talked about, Hey, you know, we're not here to sell dish soap or replenishable paper towels. Like we want to sell non-new wear, mm. right? And that's the CEO. And I always mess up his name. And Jamie Lanone, somebody, somebody do the little like phonetic sounds. Um, if you know how to pronounce it better, help me. I need hooked on phonics there. Okay. Um, but now they're, you know, they're focusing on sneakers, right? They're focusing on refurbished electronics. Uh, one of their big things is eBay motors, like used car parts is oh, a yeah. big chunk of their business. Yeah. When you watch, I don't know if you see them on commercials. I don't watch TV. Yeah, very you much, mentioned but, the NASCAR uh, ones last time. Every time I'm watching I've NASCAR, seen them now. Yeah. It's, it's eBay motors commercials. And it's like, that's good marketing because I, I, my, my car seats, it sounds like a kid, but the, the seats in my car, the leather is starting to get bad. So I was like, okay, like, are there car seat covers that fit it? Are there? And a lot of people are like, you can actually buy replacement, this replacement, that like check eBay, check eBay. And as I'm going through forums and people are talking about, it's like, I've got a 99 forerunner. It's kind of like, a, there's a cult community for it. When you're on Reddit and you're on these forums for that car, every other thing is like, yeah, you can get this part on eBay, go to eBay, mm -hmm. go to eBay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the fact that eBay motors is a big thing. And so they should be pushing that. Yeah. So I mean, I was encouraged. Uh, this is from an article by the street where they did a phone call with the CEO and the CEO said every category that we're invested in, we're seeing very strong double digit growth rates ahead of the rest of the business. We're going to continue to roll out more categories across the site. We only have touched 20% of the business. So we still have a lot more room to grow with that. We're doing from that perspective. And so to me, you know, I, I think eBay now is more positioning themselves as a secondary market. I know, I think 80% of the stuff on eBay is new, but I think, yeah, I think you had mentioned before that, you know, we're like 20% is the secondary market. It just, it's encouraging to me, right? Because I think it's going to bring more people onto eBay. And I know Mike and I go back and forth sometimes about, you know, I still think eBay is very relevant. Mike's like, I don't know if it's that relevant, but I think eBay is making strides to continue to be relevant. Yeah. Uh, on an Maybe our next update episode, I'll, yeah. I'm going to show you an article that I read. We'll talk about it then. Okay. But something to think about, the idea of eBay as like a horizontal company and its competitors as being vertical competitors. And this article is really well done about how other... Yeah, I've heard that before. And, and how these... So you've made comments like, okay, like Poshmark, they're nothing compared to eBay. But Poshmark is taking a vertical chunk out of eBay's horizontal business. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of businesses. And yeah, so let's talk about that next time. Well, yeah. So uh, that's just one way of thinking about it. But yeah, eBay, I do definitely think eBay is, is relevant horizontally, like, like wide, it's a wide company selling a wide variety of things. I think it is still the juggernaut of used. I think that's where they need to focus. Uh, instead of trying to be the next Amazon, they need to double down on where they're at and try and keep those competitors who are com competing vertically with them, uh, and try and take shares back. That's where I think eBay needs to grow. Yeah, agreed. Now, 
this was this is an older story. Uh, this went viral like back in January, February. There's a video, and and I got to tell you, TikTok has brought popularity to the bins, and I know a lot, not a lot of people are happy about that. But uh, man, there's so many bins videos on on uh, TikTok, and uh, one of them, one of them was kind of crazy. It's a video. Uh, the Goodwill worker goes inside the bin while the bins are out there, and he took four pairs of off-white Nike shoes from the bin. Now, these aren't like, you know, off-whites are money, but these were money. So let me give you uh, how much, how valuable these were. So if I can get to it here, I might have lost it. But anyways, these, you know, these are hard to find on its own, right? But the fact that these were at the bins, and you know, you get things at the bins uh, for really, really cheap. And so it was just kind of crazy that, you know, these show up at the bins and then that an employee goes in and just picks them up. So the average price, one was a... 2018 off-white Air Jordan 1 Retro High Chicago that sold for an average price of $6,133. Holy smokes. Okay. Um, another one, I'm trying to find the price for the other Did one. Did the employee take them out to sell or like for himself? Or was this like take them out for Goodwill? Like, oops, these shouldn't be in here. It's oops, it's oops, they shouldn't be in here. That's good for eBay or that's good for Goodwill. Like that's what yeah. an employee should be doing. Like, I mean, I get it as a reseller that stinks, but like that is absolutely a good thing for Goodwill. That's an employee doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, but it's it, the reason I bring this up, and I don't know, I don't know if Mike wants to. Maybe we'll we'll throw up the video or not. But uh, the 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 crazy thing about it is, I think we we Mike and I have hammered this home so much that thrift stores have been sorting through stuff, especially stores shall not be named from the beginning. And I think the last kind of area that everybody felt was untouched is the Goodwill bins, and. I've been of the beliefs, I think, since the first time I went four years ago, which I never went back, is that I think the bins will, are, are being sorted through already, and I think they're going to be more sorted through. So what does this mean as resellers? If you're a bin reseller, now, this may not be happening. You may be in the middle of the Midwest, nowhere where like you know none of this ever happens. You're still finding gold. Keep getting that gold. Keep going. Right. Don't don't post a TikTok video. Don't post an Instagram or a YouTube about it. Just just go there and just find that gold every single day. But resellers are gonna we're gonna have to adapt, right? I'm not a bins guy, right? And now if ever came to that thrift stores would start going to garage sales and start sorting at garage sales, whew. Yeah, I'm sure there's now ways that we can territory. make that not happen. Yeah, <laughs> you want to you want to see resellers form like a, an official organized gang? It would happen. Our own Costa, the Costa Nostra. I, 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 that that sounds way too aggressive. It's mafia, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, it just just be aware. Just be aware. You have to adapt. You have to adapt. And uh, I I've seen people even mention uh, that you know the bins aren't what they used to be. Let us know if you're a bins person. Is it, is it the way it used to be or have things changed drastically? I'm sure I know what the answer is, but comment below. All right. Hey, this was new to me and I wanted to bring this up for you. Those of you that saw on Amazon. So I saw a few people on social media mention this and, and it makes sense because I saw this in Q4 and I finally was able to put two plus two together and it did not equal five. And big sellers are tanking prices on Amazon to shake out smaller sellers. And I, I, you know, this happens, for example, like in, in crypto all the time, right? The, the market makers, they, they tank the price because they want everybody to sell off because they get scared and then they can buy back the crypto for cheap. And it's not the same idea, but 
it's it's kind of you know there in the sense that so what happens is you have a big seller right you know they're big sellers because they have like three hundred thousand reviews and you have a new seller who's just launched or has like maybe a hundred reviews or whatever and they have this item and you see the big seller sell it for like thirty dollars below what you know the bottom price is just obnoxious thirty fifty dollars whatever it is and so what happens is the per the new seller gets scared. They're like, wow, I'm never going to sell my item. I might as well sell my item and break even or sell it at a loss. And so they'll undercut that big seller. They'll sell through all the product. And then you'll go back a week or two later and you'll see that big seller. Amazon does this all the time, all the time. I can tell you right now of a toy that Amazon was selling for $32 two months ago and they're selling it for $90 right now. And I waited and now I'm selling it for $85. But what happens is they shook out everybody. Everybody got scared. They undercut Amazon or they undercut the big seller. And then there's only so many sellers on there. Now the big seller pulls their price all the way back up. And now they don't have as much competition to deal with. Yeah, that's. I think that's good that you're kind of sharing the the side of it. Because we, we talk a lot about like when to when to pull the trigger, when you should sell off, when you should wait. Uh, and there's a lot involved in it. every situation is going to be different. So this isn't like a hard and fast rule. Like you should always wait for the big seller to bring their prices up because they, they're not going to sell. Now, potentially they could. They could as long as they're making a profit. The thing is, a lot of people have this idea that, oh, a big company, they're going to be selling at a huge loss at a lower price. than you can even you know buy it for at a store in order to, you know, basically have the monopoly on it, destroy their competition. Well, if that's really what they're doing, if they're selling it at a loss, buy it. Buy it from them. Keep buying it. Buy all of it from them. Buy all of the inventory from them. And then they don't have it. And then you can sell it for the price that it should go for. But they like, have an endless supply. That's the problem. Well, if the, no, if there was an endless supply, oh, okay. supply, the price would be zero. Like I understood. But I will tell you, I know a few listings that were in March and they're still selling it for super cheap. Well, then that must mean that the demand's on there. Because if it, no demand, it's low ranked. But the thing is, so, but, but the demand is not enough to bring the price up because if there was, if they have enough inventory that they can keep selling it for super cheap, then either one, they're okay with taking a five or 10%. Well, they probably get it. it for cheaper. That's what people don't understand. Wholesalers and all these big sellers, they, they're not getting it for the same, especially if you do retail arbitrage, they're getting it for a far lesser price than you are than going to the stores. You get yeah. what I'm saying? I get what you're saying, but if they have an endless supply, then you can't wait them out. Oh, I agree. I agree. I don't think there is such thing as an endless supply, but a large supply. But if they have a large enough supply, you're still not going to be able to wait them out. Oh, yeah. No, I always say don't wait people out. I say you, the moment you can sell it, sell it on Amazon. So you're saying go to the low price? Because it sounded like originally no. you were saying don't. No, no, no. So I wasn't giving advice on like what to do. I was just stating the fact. So the fact is that big sellers are tanking the market. So what does that? Okay. So let me go on the practical side. On the practical side, this is what this means. Is on Amazon you're either going to be the first to sell or the last to sell. There is no in-between because the first one, right? You may get less profit, but you are making sure that Amazon doesn't jump on that listing and you're making sure that a big seller doesn't jump on the listing and destroy the listing. Okay. If you can hold out, like for example, I can hold out uh, right now. I have, and Mike has seen my uh, inventory. I have about 50 pieces. <laughs> it's taking up a quarter of my garage right now. Okay. And those items I sold for good. I was selling them for like 200 a piece. I was making about 80 to hundred dollars profit on each of them. Then a big seller came in and is selling it for $30 more than I paid for retail. And you know, if, if I try to sell it at that price, I'd be at a loss after Amazon fees, after the shipping and all that. 
And so for me, I have, you know, I have the ability to wait it out. I'm just going to wait till the next Q4 and just sell through the next Q4. Right. But that you just, it's a, it's a dangerous game, but just be aware. It used to always be like, oh, these new sellers are going in, they're destroying prices because they're tanking it. But no, it's actually big sellers too now. But the reality is like on, a, on that example that you gave, if that's true, that you can sell it for a hundred dollars profit and they're selling it for $30 more. Right. And you think you can just keep moving more $30 about, less you mean? Not $30 less than you, but $30 less than you bought. You, 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 okay. So, so let's say I bought it for a hundred. Right. And they bought it for 70. Right. Right. And I was selling it for 200, making a hundred and mm-hmm. they're selling it for 110 or whatever. Right. Right. They're making that 40 bucks or whatever. So the thing is on your end, it's still a good deal. Like if you really think that enough of those are going to move, just buy them from them. Just keep buying them. From yeah, them. Yeah, Stack I more see that them. point. Yeah. Because if, if that price is going to go back to 200, you'll be making a, a smaller percentage off each one. But they basically, if, if they, if they're priced, if a big seller is priced that low, you can almost source from them if you think that the price is going to go back up and the demand is going to go back up. No, I see. There's just too much unknowables in there. Right. You know, that's why I wouldn't do that. Right. If I knew how much they had, then I'd buy them out. But not knowing how much they have, you know, I could I could buy 100 units and I'm still, you know, it just it, you just got to play it careful. So, you know, it's just a heads up. Those of you trying to do retail arbitrage on Amazon, which I'm slowly contemplating not doing that Q4. I don't know why. I just, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I, I like the hustle. All right. Last thing. UPS is uh, raising the rates on April 3rd. Uh, this is important to you. Like UPS or USPS? Uh, USPS. Sorry. Okay. No, not, sorry. The United States Postal Service. So, for example, if you have an item that you're shipping out that doesn't exceed 22 inches, uh, that exceeds 22 inches, sorry, that exceeds 22 inches, but does not exceed 30 inches, uh, they're adding a $4 charge per package. So let's say it's a baseball bat or I don't know if there are bats at, you know, larger golf clubs or any kind of like those kind of items, posters. Mm-hmm. Um, you just got to be careful. Well, basically, it's anything from 22 to 30 inches is $4 more. Correct. That's a lot of boxes, right? Oh, no, it, Bigger it, than 22 inches. It, it gets worse, though. Packages that exceed 30 inches in length at $15 per package. Oh, my God. See, and that's what I mean, like a $400 tax credit on, on or a $400 rebate for gas for an individual doesn't help gas prices because that, I mean, that's got to be part of the reason why the post office has to raise prices is because it costs them more to deliver items, to move items from one place to another. So these gas, I mean, oh, gas prices. So the, Let us the, know in the comments below. Gas prices suck, right? Yeah, no, well, well, okay. But again, so this, I throw this out there because there's a lot of you that you sell larger items, right? And, and, you know, for example, there's also the other one, any package that exceeds two cubic feet will get a $15 per package fee. And here's what sucks about this. I'm gonna go back to gas prices real quick. I have to. <laughs> They're going to raise their prices by this much $4. I mean, 30 inches. I don't say all the time, but I'd say I, I, I send packages often enough that are greater than that. Okay. So that's a significant difference, right? Yeah. $15 yeah. increase. So if they can justify gas prices are higher, inflation is higher, whatever. So we have to charge more. If gas prices, if things get fixed in the next year, gas prices go down. If this if this inflation is transitory, air quotes, right? All these things, everything right. gets better. Right. Okay. These prices don't go away. The increase no, stays. Anything the government does never goes away. The increases yeah. don't go away. The increases stay. Which I usually 
say that shipping price hikes is not a big deal if you do calculated shipping, right? It's no big deal. Like the buyers will buy. But I do think a $15 per package will, will take an, will, you know, will affect your reselling ability, you know? So, you know, you just have to figure it out. Now, on the other side, if you saw anything that send anything priority retail ground, a parcel, a parcel select, I don't know if I said that right. I always mess up that word. Uh, and your dimensions that are provided are inaccurate or your dimensions are not provided, the post office will charge you a dollar fifty. And you know, I'm not I do this with my first class all the time. Like I never put in my I always put in my weight, but I just throw in some random number for my uh my you know my inches on there. Uh because it, it's based on weight. But if you're doing priority, you need to be careful because you know that can add up. If you're selling a large amount of items and you're not careful on your priority dimensions. Dollar fifty an item, and you sell, let's say, a hundred a week that are off, can add up. And some people say, "Oh, the post office never checks." Realize there's technology. Like I'm sure they have some technology that's going to be able to like measure, right, as it goes through the through the scanners. So, good times, good times, good times. All right, hey, with all that being said, let, let's liven things up a little bit, huh? What's your bolo? Yeah, bolos. For those of you who might be new to uh, Pure Hustle Podcast, you're probably like, what kind of podcast am I listening to? But what a bolo is, a bolo is something to be on the lookout for. So items that you should be trying to pick up, you see out in the wild, uh, pick these items up or at least research them because there may be money in them. Correct. Do you want to go first? All right. So my bolo, it's NASCAR season. Like it is. Is it? The races are happening. Um, I've I haven't been able to watch for years now. Like any sports have been too busy, but I've kind of made it a thing on Sunday afternoons to watch NASCAR. And I love it because I love watching NASCAR. You can kind of be doing other things. I can be helping around the house and still watching the race. And there's a huge following for NASCAR. And if you live in California, like I do, you don't really realize that as many people like NASCAR as you know, do across the nation. If you live in another state, you might be like, yeah, duh, obviously NASCAR. It's amazing. But, um, I've sold many, many, many NASCAR, um, what are they like scanners, right? So either the headphone pieces that are the scanners or the actual handheld scanner units uh, with or without headphones. Now, what a scanner does is if you go to the race, you can program the scanner. You can actually listen to the interactions between like the crew chief, between the spotter and the driver. And so as you're huh. watching the is race, that why people buy the yep, headphones? That's what the headphones do. Oh, so I, as I you knew that. So as yeah. you're watching the race, they're live. You can also be listening to the, the spotter telling really the, cool. the driver like, all right, on your inside, inside, inside. And so like you're even if they're like going around the corner, you can't quite see them. You you hear exactly what they're saying. Like, you know, my car's tied around this corner. And so you have inside of what's happening in the race wow. with your driver. So a lot of people, most people who go to the races that are into it enough, they have scanners. But the thing is, a lot of people will go to a race or two. They buy scanners. And if they don't go to any more races, maybe they went once, they went twice, they wanted to get a scanner. Right. What are they going to do? Well, I've got this thing sitting around. It's been sitting for a while. And no, I'm not, this isn't meant to be a disparaging remark against NASCAR fans because I'm a NASCAR fan. But if you would, if you would stereotype anybody to be the kind of person who would sit out on a lawn chair at a garage sale, a NASCAR fan would be one of them. Okay. Right. Okay. And so when I'm at garage sales, it's not all the time. It's, I'm in California, Southern California. There's not a lot of NASCAR fans. But even still, I come across many times where it's like, oh, a NASCAR scanner or some NASCAR memorabilia. And NASCAR scanners, they sell really well on eBay. Of course, look up which brands, which styles, which models, all of that. Uh, but people who are going, if my, for instance, if my wife were to say, like, I bought you tickets to a NASCAR race, 
I'm not going to go on Amazon or I'm not going to go to the official NASCAR store and buy a brand new NASCAR scanner. I'm going to go get a used one on eBay because how many races am I going to go to? I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to spend top dollar. I'd rather spend, you know, $75 for a scanner instead of, you know, $200 for a new one. So they sell really well used. And a lot of times, unless it's a, a fan who's been going for years and years and years, they usually are only used a handful of times. So they're in really mm-hmm. good condition. And because people are selling them at garage sales, they just want them gone. I pick them up for like five, 10 bucks max. And you can sell them for 7,500 bucks, depending on what you're picking up. So on top of other NASCAR memorabilia, which may or may not be valuable, depending on what you're picking up. But just know that, you know, follow, follow the seasons right now. NASCAR started. We're only six races in seven races now. So it's prime time that people are going to races. So people are buying scanners. So if you have them and haven't listed them, list them. And if you're at garage sales, be on the lookout for them because uh, uh, they're definitely money. Interesting. Well, I've seen those before and I just, I thought they were just like headphones. Mm, nope. There's more to it. Okay. That's good to know. So mine is based on what I'm observing. So, you know, it's crazy that we're still talking about supply chain shortages now. Before it was because of one thing. Now it's because of something else. Now we're even talking about like food shortages, but there's another shortage that I think is coming. And I think it. I've been recognizing this. It's sports equipment. Mm. And I bought so many cleats from Ross like two, three years ago, like for 99 cents a cleat or something or two dollars, three dollars. And they're they're selling consistently. And so something to look out for is new tags, cleats, gloves. Obviously, I've talked about baseball gloves a lot, uh, baseball pants, apparel, like anything that teams need. And again, do your research. But I find that that market is going to go up because. I've gone to certain like a uh, sporting goods store and uh, stores and they don't have the items, right? You're looking for, you know, a certain pair of cleats. They don't have them. You're looking for certain kinds of gloves. They don't have them. And again, it could be geographically, maybe where I was going, they didn't have them. But you know, if I went an hour North, they would have them. But I, I, I gotta say, if you can find it at a good cost and, and, you know, with the tightening of the economy too, Right. And, you know, sports aren't cheap. One of the things that I do not look forward to of my kids growing up, I it's been awesome. My kids growing up has been the expenses of sports. There's so many hidden costs. You know, uh, my son, you know, I uh, just finished wrestling and he moved into tennis. And so I've had to buy wrestling shoes. Right. And then I have to buy apparel and then I have to you know, buy this and then I need to get a tennis racket. Then I need to get a certain kind of shoes. Then I need to get some, And it all begins to add up. And, and a lot of parents I would say when their kids are playing something for the first time, they're not going to want to pay top dollar for something. Or maybe that's just me. But I know many parents like me, they're like, I'm not going to spend $100 on a pair of cleats. I'd rather go on eBay, buy buy a pair of cleats for 30, 40 bucks. And so uh, keep an eye uh, for sports equipment. I do think that's going to be a thing here in the coming months. Nice. So what are you looking forward to? I am looking forward to spring cleaning. Not for me, but other people. I'm looking, okay. for, I'm looking forward to other people going through and getting that spring cleaning bug and cleaning up their house and going through and saying, what's this? I don't know. We should have a garage sale. Because I think we're starting to move into a, a decent garage sale season. And I think, uh, uh, again, the with with people wanting to sell things in order to make a little bit of extra cash, uh, now's the time. I think there's going to hopefully be more garage sales. People, how do we make ends meet? I don't know. Let's sell this stuff that's sitting around our house doing nothing. Mm -hmm. And then that's potential for me to make some money. So I'm looking forward to uh, spring cleaning time. No, I agree with you. That was one of the things I was looking forward to is uh, getting out there more for garage sales. Cause I do think 
that we are going to hit. And I think it's only going to be like a month. Right. I think once summer hits, you know, depending on how things go, I think things will begin to slow down as far as garage sales. But yeah, looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> I'm finding an extension on my taxes. Man. Oh, it just, you know, here's the thing. Every, see, here's the problem. So you're, you're, every I'm, dollar, I'm not judging you. I'm not judging no, you. No, you can judge, judge, judge away. Judge away. But the amount of time you spend every tax season, because you didn't spend the time throughout the year. And I now know. you're already behind this year. I know. No, so, no, no. I, I'm, no, I'm already, I'm caught up on all my stuff. It's just, my problem was, I just, I just got lazy. And so, you know, and, and, and my, my tax person says, Hey, we're swamped right now too. You know, and we, I just want to make things right. Cause remember every dollar that you don't have to pay to the government is a dollar in your pocket. Yeah, right. Keep your money. And so I, I'd rather do that right. And then, uh, yeah, I'm looking at getting up to 3,500 listings. Don't you so. love that when you do your taxes and there's the spot for like, do you want to donate any money to this, to this, to this? And you're like, no, you're taking enough money. Don't take any more of my I, money. I agree. I agree. I agree. Uh, all right. Hey, uh, real quick, if you've been listening to the end and you're catching this before eight o'clock Pacific Standard Time on Wednesday, uh, I am doing a whatnot auction. I am doing vintage hats. Uh, I'm starting at $5 a piece. You know, and we'll see how it goes. I don't know. I've seen a lot of people, uh, they like $1 or $4. And I'm like, Ooh. and I've seen some of these auctions that I'm like, nah, I don't know. I, this might be a one-time deal. You know, if, if I end up walking. Do you have to have a big enough following on WhatsApp first? Uh, Yeah, but you can, you know, I can post on Instagram, right? And you know, hopefully people Get some people over. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, You know, but it's kind of. Touch and go because I just sold a hat for $75 that I paid 25 cents for. Yeah. What I've gotten 75 and whatnot, I don't know. So if you're if you're a, a supporter of Pierosa Podcast, jump on over on that WhatsApp and uh and and buy a hat for more Londa. Make them feel better. Yeah, there we go. So we'll see. I'm planning, I I honestly I haven't even looked at the rules or anything. I'm just planning on doing it Wednesday, eight o'clock, five dollars a hat, and I don't know, maybe have like 20 or so hats. We'll see. We'll see. I might be buying one from them. If I can get it for five bucks. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It could be a complete, I, I just, I've seen people on there like, Oh, starting a dollar and they get like $3. I'm like, no, like, or you see stuff there and you're like, that guy is not going to get even close to what he's hoping. And I could be that guy. So we'll see what happens. Anyways. Thank you for tuning in. Another awesome time that Mike and had sharing, you know, our thoughts on reselling. Hope you enjoyed it too. Make sure to smash that like button and uh, have a great week. Make sure to keep it real, relevant, and reselling. Peace. Peace.